everybody. Welcome to the Phases Points Podcast. I'm Kevin Flanagan, Head of Fixed Income Strategy at Wisdom Tree Asset Management. We have a special guest today, Michael Barr. He is Director of Capital Markets at Wisdom Tree. Mike, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me, Kevin. You know, we wanted to, to sort of delve off a little bit some of the things we've talked about recently because we get a lot of questions about fixed income ETFs, talking about liquidity, talking about how they trade. And I thought, Mike, it would be great to have you on because I know you're writing a blog for this week that will be up on our website talking about trading in, in fixed income ETFs and, and more specifically, what occurred in, in March of 2020. I mean, it's always good to find out when we have real-time tests. And if there was gonna be one, what occurred in March 2020 was certainly one of those tests. So if you could first, just, just give us a, a little bit of a sense. How was trading? How did the fixed income ETF market uh, hold up during that time frame? Yeah, sure, thanks, Kevin. So. It's interesting, right? You know, going back to to the origination of, of fixed income ETFs in, back in, in 2006, I think ETF critics have, have always said that fixed income inside an ETF wrapper can't work. Um, and and really, what what history has shown time and time again, in in every single you know sort of volatility uh, crisis or you know sort of volatility moment that we have seen since then. ETFs, uh, specifically fixed income ETFs, have, have done exactly what they've you know, been intended and designed to do, right? We answer these questions all the time. So, you know, going back to the most recent uh, example, March of, of 2020, you know, sort of the height of the uh, of the pandemic when, when markets were really selling off, um, you know, it was, a, it was a great example as to what we saw uh, in, in, in fixed income ETFs and, and ETFs in general, right? I mean, the following month to six weeks, we on the capital markets desk did uh, dozens, dozens and dozens of calls with, with clients from, you know, your, your typical financial intermediary to institutions, to international pension funds on what we were seeing in the markets, what we were seeing in, in fixed income ETFs. Um, and, you know, just recently, the International Organization of Securities Commissions came out with uh, a paper discussing what their findings were on, on ETFs and specifically fixed income ETFs during that time period. Um, and it's always nice to sort of get a tip of the cap that, you know, everything that you think and, and see as a, as a financial professional, um, you know, was, was basically found in, in their paper and, and, you know, basically discussing exactly what we were saying over 18 months ago. So, you know, really what, what we saw, you know, in general was, you know, fixed income ETFs did exactly what they were designed to do, right? ETFs are a derivative. They're a wrapper around a basket of securities. Um, and the benefit of ETFs in general is that they can add liquidity and they can soften the flow to the underlying market, right? Because they trade on exchange where market participants across the ecosystem, whether just retail investors or, you know, market makers can use these instruments, uh, you know, for various reasons, whether it's just, you know, daily investment, you know, day trading, uh, long-term investment, or, or, or just hedging other positions. And that ecosystem can come together and they can meet on exchange and sort of pair off that risk. And no trading actually has to happen uh, in, in the underlying market. So, you know, really as a whole, uh, what we saw was that the ETF can trade cheaper or tighter from a bid-ask spread perspective, and they can actually uh, soften the flow and, and sort of provide excess liquidity 
beyond what is in that underlying market, which is fixed income, which is a little bit different. And then, you know, and how it trades in the, in the equity markets, fixed income trades over the counter. Um, you know, the pricing transparency is a little bit more opaque than the equity markets and ETFs kind of help to, to sort of bring and bridge the gap of that market structure. So, you know, one of the questions that I get asked oftentimes is, you know, what's the difference between mutual funds and fixed income ETFs? And, and could you give us a sense in March 2020, um, what kind of comparisons could be made? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and the uh, IOSC came up with some really good statistics that I think were really interesting that I'm going to uh, put into my blog, but you know the the difference is is that again ETFs trade on an exchange where market participants can pair off that risk. And it doesn't always result in trading in the underlying bonds. Mutual funds are different. They're they're you know you can get in and out of them once a day at NAV at the end of the day, and and if there are outflows and sustained outflows, the portfolio manager must sell bonds or the under whatever the underlying asset is to raise cash to meet those redemptions. So if you look at the difference between fixed income ETFs and fixed income mutual funds during the pandemic, let's look at the, at the ETF first, right? So, uh, you know, turnover of the ETF increased twofold, 100% and was actually 40% of the overall equity market. Fixed income ETFs over that time period, March 2020, traded about $720 billion over that time period. Um, but actually, of that $720 billion, only $20 billion of that resulted in outflows, or, or about 2%. Um, so really what was happening there was market participants were meeting on the exchange to pair off risk, and, and that turnover can be substantial and help soften the flow in, in what is occurring in the underlying market. Now, looking at mutual funds, on the other hand, they saw $250 billion of outflows, or 6% of their assets. It's a much larger segment of the market, mutual funds. Fixed, in, uh, fixed income mutual fund versus fixed income ETFs. But that $250 billion needed to be sold in the marketplace, which was then putting further pressure on the fixed income market um, versus you know, ETFs were actually acting as a liquidity, a liquidity buffer uh, where mutual funds really don't have that, uh, have that value add or, or, or sort of that, um, you know, that extra piece of technology. So the, the other big question that I, I got, still get, in reference to what occurred, um, premium discounts, talking about net asset value. So what, what were some of the observations that you saw there? Yeah, so we definitely saw premiums and discounts depending on which way the market was moving. Um, and it's not uncommon to see in normal market times because of the market structure of fixed income. Fixed income trades over the counter. Bonds don't always trade every single day. So when we're pricing, you know, when the pricing sources are coming out with a price so that we can calculate NAV, if the bonds haven't traded, they're using some sort of matrix pricing or model to figure out what that price may be. Um, and, and that may not always be in line with where the actual, uh, you know, tradability of those bonds are. So, you know, what is happening is, is market makers are pricing the ETF where they know they can buy and sell the bonds. Um, furthermore, in times of stress, when there may not be any liquidity in the underlying market, in the underlying fixed income market, market makers are still providing uh, liquidity in the ETF. Um, but with that, there can be a cost associated with providing that liquidity. You're paying essentially a liquidity premium for access uh, you know, to being able to move in and out of that exposure, even though there is really no liquidity in the underlying market, which can then lead to premiums and discounts 
because of the market structure and how prices are calculated. And then when you add stress on top of the market, that can further exacerbate that. So final note. So, so basically, if we were to, no pun intended, wrap, wrap this up nicely in, in a little bit of a bow, you know, a lot of the concerns are about liquidity, but I mean, would, would it be safe to say that ETFs actually provide a liquidity buffer and access to liquidity in, in a closed or a liquid market? Absolutely, 100%. Because, because of that exchange-traded nature, the, um, the arbitrage mechanism of, of ETFs that market makers can keep uh, the price of the ETF in line with the underlying asset class, they can also use other uh, other instruments to to sort of hedge liquidity to, to hedge their position and add further liquidity into the ETF, where some other structures like mutual funds don't have that luxury. So ETFs are 100 uh, percent adding liquidity to the overall marketplace. If they didn't exist during March of 2020, I think we would have seen even further um, stress or panic in the underlying market. So you know it's exactly what ETFs are designed to do. Uh, to provide, to democratize an asset class, to provide ease of exposure, um, and to provide further liquidity to an asset class that generally is not always all that. That's great, Mike. Thanks. I, I hope this was informative for everybody out there that have had questions for fixed income ETFs and how they trade and the type of liquidity involved. Um, once again, please check out Mike's blog on our website, www.wisdomtree.com. Mike, I'm going to end it there. Thanks for coming on. It was a pleasure. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Be well out there, and we'll talk to you in week's time. And before investing, carefully consider a fund's investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus available at wisdomtree.com. Read it carefully.